Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast and the project is to work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Why not make the commitment today to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life? Because that's what we're doing together, thousands of us around the world working through the entire Bible. Now, if you're here for the first time, you can make sure you never miss another episode by simply clicking on the subscribe button. And that way, you'll always get a reminder to keep following along and not miss another episode. You also have the opportunity, if you want, to go right back to the start and play catch up for a while before you join us on this daily journey through the Word of God. So with that said, we'll drop back into the text that we're studying today and I'll see you at the back end just to bring you up to date on a few things. Bye-bye for now. Hi folks, welcome back. Now if you've been following along with us so far, you know that recently we've been going through the Sermon of the Mount, as contained within Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7. And today we arrive at one of the most famous passages in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And what I'll do is I'll begin as usual by reading the entire passage we're going to look at. And we're going to be looking at this passage probably for the next two or three days, I would think, at least. And then what I'll do after reading the whole thing is we'll return together and over the next couple of days we'll work through it expositionally. In other words, meaning verse by verse. So let's just pick up the text where we left off last time, which is at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I'm sure that you've noted, included in this passage, as I just said, is this well-known section commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. 
Now actually, that's technically a bit of a misnomer because technically the Lord's Prayer is recorded for us in John chapter 17. That is where Jesus is seen to pray for himself towards Father God. This one could perhaps more accurately be described as the disciples' prayer. For in it, he is teaching his disciples then, and of course by nature us today, how we should pray. Now the overall passage, as I've just read, could be divided into two parts. First of all, he's going to tell us how not to pray, and then he's going to tell us how to pray. So very simply, let's begin by asking what we should not do. And let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, where he said this. So we're back at the start again, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So he says that when you pray, you shouldn't be like the hypocrites. Now, as I've already explained, this word hypocrite is interesting because it was originally used in a perfectly normal sense. It was used to describe an actor. And it was a perfectly good sense uh, of a word in using that term. But over time, hypocrite went from simply being an actor to identifying someone as playing the part of another. So over time, the word came to be used in a negative sense of someone pretending to be somebody or something they were not. And that's the way Jesus is clearly using it here. And he says, don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't pretend you're doing something or you are something or you are a certain way when you're really not. And then he explains that what we see in his day is how these hypocrites, how they're the type of people who love to stand up in the synagogue and on the corner of the streets and they do it in order to be seen by other people, in order to present a sense of false holiness. So the first things he tells us is not to pray in that way, not to pray in a way where the motivation is to be seen by other people. And he specifically mentions two places which were often seen in that day, which of course have their moral equivalent for us today. He says, don't act like those in the synagogue. Now the equivalent today, of course, would be a church service or a public event. But in that day, the structure within the synagogue was that the faithful would meet in the synagogue building and someone would lead the prayer. And the person would stand up to pray. So Jesus is saying, not that you shouldn't do that at face value, but he says you shouldn't do it like a hypocrite when you do it and when your motivation for doing it is to be seen doing it. The key phrase is to be seen by men. Now the other thing he mentions, the other example he gives of doing it in the street. Now we kind of don't think of people praying in the street these days, but in Jesus Christ's day, they had times of fasting where the people would meet and pray in the street. And some have suggested that this is a reference to those type of public prayers, particularly the prayers that the Jews did at certain times during the day. You see, they would stop what they were doing and they would pray openly at specific times. And some who've studied this passage have suggested that what Jesus is addressing here is the fact that the Pharisees 
during that time of the day, they were beginning, what they would do is they would deliberately gather in the most public places so that when the time approached, the hour approached, when they needed to stop to pray, that they would be seen and that they would literally stop in the, walking in the middle of the street or in the busy marketplace and the hour would come and they would pray there so that everybody could see what they were doing. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't pray just to be seen by other people. Now, some years ago, a very famous politician came to speak in Belfast. And it was said of him that before he speak, he stood up and he prayed a very ornate and elaborate prayer. And the visitor who my father knew, who was at that meeting, said that it was one of the most eloquent prayers ever offered to a Belfast audience. But he pointed out, and what he felt was, that it was prayed for the audience and not really towards the Lord. And what Jesus is saying here is you shouldn't pray for the audience in order for them to see or to see how eloquent you are with words because that's what some were doing in his day and I'm sure we know some even do that today. Now I think that brings up the question in our mind is what does that mean for us today? Does it mean we should never pray in public? Well the answer to that is no, definitely not, of course not. In fact, there are many illustrations in the Old Testament as well as the New where people are seen to pray out loud and in front of others. So the idea here is not just the cold fact about you should not be seen by people, but it is that you should not be praying in order to be seen by other people. The issue is not that you are seen, it is that the issue is dealing with the desire of the heart. Are you desiring to be seen praying? Okay, now it's helpful if we take notice of what he says in the next verse, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father as who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And in some translations it says, will openly reward you. So he says, go somewhere quiet, go to your room. And don't leave the door deliberately open, which probably means that don't do it in such a way again that you'll be seen to be praying and you're just doing it for others to hear. Which I kind of think, I would suggest also means if you're a Christian and you go into a restaurant today, you're probably one of the the very few people, and certainly in the United Kingdom that day, who might say grace before a meal. But it's saying here, We shouldn't do it loudly so as to catch the attention of other people or the adjoining tables. We should just quietly give thanks before the Lord. Give thanks for what that food that he has given us and what he has given us and the blessings he has given us. And if people happen to be aware of that, that's okay. But we shouldn't be doing it as a way of drawing attention to ourselves. So the wrong way to pray is to do it so that it is seen and heard by people. And for that purpose, the correct way to do it is so that it should be seen and be heard by God. Someone once said, the secret prayer is the prayer in secret. Because in that, God is going to reward you in the way that you will openly recognize. And also, if you pray and your motivation is to be seen by people, then these verses are saying, well, yeah, great, you'll gain the reward. People will see it. And if what you're really after is the plaudits of people, that's what you'll get. So that implies to me 
that you probably won't get the answer to the prayer that you're praying because what you're really doing is you're praying in order to gain the attention and applause of other people and all you will gain by doing that is that center of attention that is the thing you were really seeking and thereby you probably not get the answer to the prayer that you wanted. You will get the reward of the attention of other people. However, if the posture of your heart was addressed to the Lord and you want him to get his attention that you want and that you pray quietly and honestly and with integrity, then it is that prayer, even if it's done in secret and no one else knows about, it is that prayer that God will reward and he will reward openly to you. Now, openly may mean in front of other people, other people witnesses, but more it means, I believe, openly in the sense that you will see and know that God has answered that prayer. So that was the first way, the first wrong way to pray, to do it, to seek the attention of other people rather than God. But Jesus also says here that there's a second wrong way to pray. And let's look at the next verse, verse 7. And it says, And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So the second thing he says that we should not do is use what he calls vain repetitions. So what does that phrase mean? Well, Bible experts will tell you that the Greek word that is translated here in this version of the Bible for us as vain repetition means to sort of repeat idly something over and over again, repeatedly saying the same things. Now, many people around the ages have really grappled with this phrase to try and figure out what exactly it's talking about. And if you look across different translations of the Bible, it is translated in many different ways. I personally feel vain repetitions most accurately communicates what Jesus is trying to tell us here. Other translations that you may have seen are things or words like babbling or don't pray by making meaningless signs or don't speak thoughtlessly or even I saw one that says don't mumble incoherently. But the overall idea here is that words, even if they're abundant, but if they're meaningless or thoughtless and you're just using words for effect or for words sake and they're not coming out of you by being prompted by the needs of your heart or the prompting of the Holy Spirit, then they're vain repetitions. Now, it's interesting, in the background into which Jesus was teaching of that day, some Jews had codified the daily prayers into 18 different specific prayers that were to be done three times a day at specific times of the day. I also remember reading once that at that time, some uh, rabbis, some schools of thought had produced a summary of those 18 prayers for people who didn't feel, well, maybe at best you could say that the ability to remember how to recite all, but more likely in order to save people time in doing those prayers. So they became repetitions of truncated versions of those 18 prayers and they became nothing more of a sort of speedy, superstitious incantation, almost like a spell, rather than a prayer of the heart. But notice what Jesus says. Some are praying, thinking they're going to be heard because of their use of many words and half the people were trying to edit and reduce the number of the words 
on the other half of the people, it seems, were trying to be noticed by saying how long and visibly showing how long they prayed for. There are records from ancient times and there was one rabbinic school of thought that taught, and I'll quote, whoever is long in prayer is heard by God. Or another group who said, whenever the righteous make their prayers long, the prayer is heard by God. So this other group of people, length became the most important thing. Much more important, in fact, than going before God with a humble or repentant heart. So Jesus is saying, that's not the way to do it, folk. It's not to do it in front of people to gain intention, and it's not to do it to show off either your use of words or the length of words or the amount of time you spend praying. And it's certainly not about praying just meaningless, vain repetitions. So Jesus says in verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now I have a final observation to make today before we just close off this section and we will tomorrow look at how Jesus proactively teaches us to pray. But I think I really want to point out how it has always struck me as interesting, ironic you might say, that Jesus says don't pray mindless repetitions and don't pray just words said by rote. And then he tells us how to pray and then that prayer that he taught is used publicly and has prayed over and over again in churches all around the world today. It's always struck me that in a sense he said, don't do that sort of things, and then that's what we do with the very prayer he gave us. Now I'm not opposed to reciting the Lord's Prayer, but I'm afraid that a lot of times it seems to me it can be reduced to an empty ritual, and people are reciting words from memory, and they're not praying in the way that they're in fact doing the very thing that he said that we shouldn't do. We actually turn around and do that which he said not to do. Some people are told specifically to go and pray the Lord's Prayer a specific number of times to cover specific individual sins. Now it's interesting to note that there is absolutely no record in ancient times that the repetition of the Lord's Prayer was ever done as part of a church service like we do today. Now we're going to look at that prayer next time and considering how Jesus used it to teach us how to pray. But I do feel I need to say it's not what to pray, it's how to pray. And Jesus taught us to pray always with our mind, and our heart engaged in what we were saying and open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So if that's the case, how do we pray and how do we use the Lord's Prayer as an example of how we should pray? Well, I would assume, based on what I've said thus far, that I can adopt what Jesus means in saying that we should pray to our Father by thinking about what we're saying. So it's about being honest before the Lord. It's about being meaningful about what we are saying, about being true to what's happening in our lives and true to what we see unfolding around us in our local communities and the world around us and try to be meaningfully prompted to pray in that way and try not to just use meaningless repetition or futile words in what we say. Our prayers should be thoughtful and not thoughtless. And the thought that goat should go into our prayer time should be, well, what should it be? Wouldn't it be helpful if we had a sample prayer that we can use? 
How would you like for me to give you a sample prayer? And if I gave you a sample prayer that would act as a pattern of how you can model your own prayer and your own prayer life, wouldn't that be useful? How useful would that be? Matthew chapter 6 verse 9a says this, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, this then is how you should pray. And in Luke's account, we also see the prefix to this prayer, and it's a request by his disciples when they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray, not teach us what to pray. So we're going to look at that model prayer in more detail on how Jesus taught us how we should pray, and we'll do that in and begin to do that in tomorrow's episode. Bye-bye for now. Okay, folks, that's it for today. I do hope you find it helpful. And as I said in the beginning, if you are finding it helpful, then why not click on the subscribe button and make sure you don't miss another single episode. And if you feel it's helping you, well, perhaps you might feel it might help some other people. So why not consider sharing a link or a like or posting a link on the sort of places like the social media that you exist places that you exist on because that I'm told is the best way that we can make more people explore more people bring more people into the orbit of the teachings of the Bible and allow them also to make it part of the rhythm of your daily life. Now this podcast is hosted on the Biblesproject.buzzsprite.com. That's where it's posted and that's where you'll find the back catalogue of every single episode. But also within there, you'll find links to other places that you can connect to my ministry. Places like the YouTube channel, which long term is becoming the archive of all the teachings, where I can put it in playlists by book and by theme, which will make it much easier to find individual episodes that you may want to look for, rather than endlessly scrolling through a backlist of episodes. But also you'll find links to places like my LinkedIn page and my Patreon account where people not only can partner but can receive more structured discipleship teaching courses, things like that. I currently have a course going on LinkedIn, on my personal LinkedIn page, which is a guide to preparing sermons to help people who perhaps feel they've been called by God or been told by people that they have a gift of teaching to help help maybe come up with a bit of a structure on how to prepare primarily expository messages. And every resource I put out there and make available to the public is always free at point of contact and it is always in the public domain. There's no copyright on it. You're free to use it in whatever way you want, even use it as your own personal private study time or in anything you're preparing or making available to other people. Please take it and use it with my blessing and I trust with the Lord's blessing as well. And also within there, within the episode notes, you'll always find a complete transcript of what I've said and what I've taught in each and every episode. So there we are. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for being part of this growing community. This podcast is now being listened to in 154 countries worldwide. Who would have thought it? Unbelievable. But then 
I believe in an unbelievably generous God. So thank you again for joining me. I do trust I'll see you back right back here tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.